if you just do something each day that's that's unstructured, this is going to help you maintain. And don't stress too much about improvement. You know, improvements for the rest of the year. Um, if your if your goal at this time is to have an easier period of two weeks or one week or three weeks. This podcast is brought to you by Trivelo Coaching, where we help triathletes and cyclists like you train smarter to race faster. I'm your host, Jordan Donnelly, and on my left is former Australian Ironman champion and head coach of Trivelo Coaching, Jared Donnelly. Every December, the holiday period rolls around and for every athlete, the same dilemma comes up. How do you manage your training around Christmas, around New Year's, around potentially going away on holidays? And uh, I think there's a there's a funny adage that uh, for most people in the world, you're either the type of person that gets up on Christmas morning and trains or you don't. <laughs> and, and for a lot of us, we're in the former category where we love to train no matter what the day, no matter what occasion, uh, we're getting up because we love it not, and we don't train because we have to. Uh, but regardless, people go away over these periods, people are in different environments, um, people are on holidays, um, people are going home for Christmas um, and throughout this holiday period, people are often as busy as ever, ever busier than the normal working year sometimes and so training can sometimes take a hit so in this episode we're going to be talking about the top seven tips you can take throughout this holiday period to make sure you get the most out of it and you come out the other end either maintaining your fitness or coming out stronger but before that dad let's get into our normal segments of the episode what are you grateful for yeah i'm looking forward to this episode um and we do do that the, these tips a bit over the years but but I've got, we've got a bit of a different take on it this time and it is so funny because i've actually asked a few people already are you training Christmas Day? I don't want to put it in your program if you're not, but if you are, I'm put I'm putting it in. So, so so far I've asked four people and they've all said, "Shit, yeah, I'm training Christmas yeah. Day." <laughs> Perfect. So, because um, there's nothing worse than having a training program and you've got expectations of not doing anything. So, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. Anyway, well, what's caught my uh, what? What am I grateful for? Um, well, that's an easy one because. Uh, Matt, your brother and my second son has just had their first baby, um, baby boy, Archie Jared Donnelly, and I'm so proud to to say that he's uh, he's put his dad's name in the in the uh, his son's uh, full name, which is uh, I'm really yeah really grateful for that, and uh, it's it's really uh, nice of him to do that, and uh, I never really liked my name to be honest, and uh, to have it put into someone else's name. <laughs> is is quite funny so um so yes little archie was born a week ago so he's seven days old now and um um yeah it's really good to have a, a second grandson and uh yeah that's a, a very easy gratitude for me so uh, congratulations to those uh, to joe and, and matt and uh and archie Absolutely. Uh, my gratitude is I recently came off a um, very successful weekend for two very different reasons. Um, I was best man at um, a very old friend's wedding and it's always a great day when you can stand up there with one of your oldest friends and watch them get married. Um, but funnily enough, the next day I had uh, our touch finals. Uh, we played touch rugby over the spring and summer and we had our touch finals and I didn't actually tell my teammates that I was the best man at a wedding the night before um, because it's always a funny conundrum. You know, you you, you want to celebrate with your mate um, and have a few drinks, but, you know, I wouldn't want any of my teammates out the night before our final. Um, but nonetheless, we won the final. Uh, and so I'm very grateful for both days because uh, it felt like a win on the Saturday and the Sunday. So, um, yeah, that's my gratitude. Yeah, that's a brilliant gratitude. And, uh, and for those who don't really 
know much about what Jordan's doing with his with his touch football. Um, it's a very uh, non-Victorian sport, and uh, and you know it's it's a massive sport in Queensland and New South Wales and Australia, and and the competition's unbelievably high there. But the competition in Melbourne's uh, become really good. So this is the highest standard you can play in, and. Um, it's back-to-back premierships for uh, for Geordie and his team, and uh, it's a real special thing to to be able to do that. And against some really good uh, some really good opposition who have been playing for years, and um, yeah, it's a really a credit to your planning and preparation. And uh, yeah, it was it was fantastic. You got back to back and still enjoyed the wedding the day before. So well done. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. For those that know, don't know, it's kind of like rugby's summer sport um, where there's no tackling. And if you've ever seen rugby sevens, where it's, it's way less players and it's super open, it's, it's kind of like that where it's very fast paced, very athletic. It's about skill and speed and throwing um, compared to you know slowing the game down with tackles. It's just a very fun chess-like game, which is awesome to do. Uh, moving on to our next segment, what has caught your attention? Uh, there's a few things we want to touch on, Dad. Um, is a bit been happening around the world of sports, uh, but leading with some recent races that have caught your attention with our athletes. Yeah, I think uh, I think we talked the other day about the World Cup and uh, expectations of uh, what what's supposed to happen in the in the games that were scheduled, and you know some of the teams who are beating some of the professional teams, uh, professional teams, they're all professional. Some of the teams who are beating the the favourite teams. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think you told me the second, sixth, tenth, twelfth, fifteenth teams were all elim- eliminated in the round of thirty two. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Something like that. Yeah, correct. Well, yeah. that's that's a terrible stat for the for the favourites. Yeah. Um, but it just goes to show, um, you just you know you never know what the outcome is going to be unless you're in there having a crack. And and that's kind of what's caught my attention. A follow on from that, um, a couple of a couple of uh, local events that are on uh, last weekend, and we we've talked a little bit in the in the podcast about it. Uh, a stage race that we have here in Victoria called the Tour of Bright, which is held in the Alpine uh, region of uh, Victoria, which is just a sensationally beautiful place to ride your bike, regardless of the fact they've got a race there. And the three stage races is a, a, a sort of a 100k uh, ride with a 20 odd minute finishing climb, with a 10 minute climb halfway around, and and it, you know it's a it's a really good road race. And then in the afternoon they back up with a, a 16k time trial, and then the next day. They do a climb up to Mount Buffalo, um, which has got a, uh, you know, it's about a, a 50 to an hour to an hour and a half descent, to, uh, ascent, depending on your ability. Um, and so it's a, quite a tactical event. It's a stage race. It's, a, it's just like g- general classification. You know, you've got the tour winner, you've got your individual stage results, and you've got your king of the mountain, you've got the sprint king. So there's lots on offer for, for the riders. And, and we've been doing this event since the early 2000s. And each year we send a group of Drivello people there. And what's caught my attention about this is, you know, there are th- things that we have as a theme in, in, our, in our business, which is plan, prepare, and perform. And what caught my attention was, even though you are well-planned, well-prepared, and you performed as well as you can do, you may have an outstanding result or you may have a really disappointing result, regardless of how well you plan, prepare, and perform. A lot of it comes down to execution on the day. Um, and I've got examples of this, um, you know, from the weekend we had, we had one guy who, um, for those who have been following us, Joe Spano, who's, who's won the last four national time trial titles in Australia, um, for his age group. And, and he's now won back to back tour of brights, uh, for his age group as well, which is, 
which is a really outstanding uh, performance. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago, probably six years ago, when he was just a mid-packer as a, as a 50-year-old. And, and now he's, he's, you know, with sheer hard work and, and planning and preparing properly, almost like a professional, um, he has got to the top of his category from, from being an okay bike rider to being the best in his category now, which is, which is an example of really doing the work and eventually you will prevail. And, and he did a lot of the work early in his career, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, he trained really hard, but, but it was not the right way. And, and now he's got the right program that's allowing him to get the recovery that he needs and to continue to improve and and hone his time trial skills to be one of the best time trialers or the best time trialer in his age group in Australia and and you know learning how to ride the road races with tactics and and you know this is an example of of how important planning and preparing and performing is but you actually have to have a lot of luck going your way as well and in this particular race um he probably felt that he could ride harder in some of the stages, and particularly the last stage, which was the Mount Buffalo climb, where he felt like he was in control. But the plan was that he didn't attack the bunch because all he had to do was defend his title, which is the, the general classification, the, the yellow jersey. He had that by 40 seconds. And so the risk of attacking the group and maybe dropping a chain or having a mechanical was too high. He's better off just staying with the group and and just doing what he had to do to, to, to win the tour. And, and that's an example of actually executing not to what your ego wants, but to just get the result you need. And, and I'm really impressed with the way that he stuck to his task and, and the preparation we talked about before that last stage, he, he did it exactly right and got the right outcome. And, and I saw in some of the other classifications, because there's all different types of age groups and, and uh, grades, I saw some other guys who were leading into the last stage and actually lost the tour in the last stage by doing something wrong, uh, attacking too early or risking, um, you know, riding too hard and getting uh, blowing up and, and actually losing their, 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 their yellow jersey. And, and, you know, and we had also uh, other Trivalo athletes who had planned just as well and prepared just as well and actually got gastro on the, on the first day, first 5K of stage one. Didn't know they had gastro, but, you know, by, the, by halfway through the ride, they, they were vomiting and, and sick and, and still perse- persevered and ended up, you know, limiting their losses to the end of stage one and weren't that far behind and, and rode an okay stage two time trial, but rode really well on stage three when the gastro had sort of disappeared a bit and they were able to ride to their true form and were fighting out for second place uh, on the stage. But two examples of really, really well planned, really well prepared, had the, had the best execution game plan going, but something prevented them from doing it. And I just want to bring that to everybody's attention that it's not always going to go well. The professionals in the World Cup have expectations of winning, but they're not even in the last eight now. And we have a guys, some of the guys who are just as well prepared as Joe was, but didn't get the outcome. Um, and so there has to be a lot of things go well, as well as being planned, prepared, and, and performing. You know, sickness can pay, play a part in it when you don't even know that, that you're unwell. Um, similarly, we had... Uh, 
just to go on with the same theme, what's catching my attention about, um, you know, you you can do all the right things but still not get the right result. And we had the uh, Ironman WA over in Bustleton on the weekend and we had, you know, an, a, a group of Trivello athletes there. Um, and, you know, we had uh, one of the guys, Roland, who's doing his debut Ironman, uh, 21-year-old, uh, eight or ten weeks out, got hit by a car, um, looked like his dream of doing his first. He'd been training quite well up to that point, ticking all the boxes, doing all the preparation that he should be, and now his, his bike is in pieces. He's he's reasonably injured, but not that bad. But as a twenty-one-year-old, you you know he's just he just purchased a new bike, and now he's got to try and find the funds to you know or or get the insurance or whatever. The whole process is that. He doesn't have a bike, so he's borrowed a bike to train on and, and got himself back into training. And, and you know, no one knows that this is the journey he was on in, in his preparation, and yet he came out on a debut and did a 9.06. And for anybody who's done an Ironman, anything around under 10 hours is pretty bloody exceptional. Um, got third in his age group um, and, you know, rode a four-hour 40, swam fantastic and, and because of not being able to do a lot of the running from past post accident, um, still ran a three twenty odd marathon, but you know, but still ran strong at the end. And and there, there's another example of of you know really get, catching my attention of you know no matter what happens to you on the journey, you can still get to the destination um, and still get a result. Um, another example we had was uh, Ben who'd done Port Mac and. He smashed his PB by 30 minutes from Port Mac. Um, probably didn't train as well as he did for Port Mac, but because he'd been training on this journey for two or three years now, his fitness bank was so good that that he was able to execute really well and and had the right mindset and and was so determined to run better and and smashed his marathon Ironman run by I think 20 something minutes to you know out of his 30 minute PB. Uh, 20 of it was in the run and you know what an outstanding effort and um, and then you've got another guy who had a gut issue who was on target to win his age group all he had to do was run the slowest time he'd ever run and he would have won his age group but he ended up walking for five hours 30 with with gut issues and again you you know you don't know what's going to happen next and yet he still had the guts to continue and walk and finish the event so so i've just given you a whole lot of different examples of um all those people prepared unbelievably well they had the right plans and all they had to do is execute but on the day very variations of things happened to them and again just like you know the experts tell us that you know um you know some of the teams that are eliminated out of the world cup belgium ranked number two they didn't even make it to the to the round of eighteen, uh, round of eight. Um, so you just don't know what's going to happen next, and and just be aware that sometimes it's going to go your way. And I want to get it out there that it's not always going to go your way. But if you keep keep that consistency going over 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 the journey, eventually I guarantee it will go your way. And and all these hiccups along the way make it even sweeter when it does go your way. And your example of the touch you've played in, I don't know four or five touch grand finals probably before that um, or got cl- not even made the grand final and and it's such a sweet victory when you finally get to the grand final and win 
um, because you know how disappointed you are, even though you prepared just as just as well you think previously. But the experience you get from all those those knockbacks or setbacks, they really set you up for when it does happen well. It just feels like there's nothing can stop you, and and that's the thing that I want to get across to people who are listening that. Just because something goes wrong now and then, just don't give up. Just keep that mindset that if I keep persevering here, I will eventually reach my goals. I guess it's a reminder of exactly what we talk about with enjoying the journey because while the A race is the goal and that's the big event that you're working towards and that's where you want to reap the benefits of, of that whole the whole training process, you know, if something goes wrong on race day um, and your entire enjoyment is based on race day, then it's kind of a problem. Whereas if you can get enjoyment out of the journey along the way as well, knowing that you want the race day to be the best day possible, um, then you can still get the most out of yourself and there's actually something, you know, worth worth it to what you're doing um, compared to banking it all on race day and then something happens where the day's just gone to crap and if if, if that was where you were putting all your enjoyment, um, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a very nice feeling. Yeah, it's such a great point you make. Uh, Results-based is risky. Um, you know, it's a, and we've talked about the journey and and then getting to your destination. That's that's the package. Um, mm. It's just not the destination. And yeah. and look, if you have a bad day, what are the negatives? Well, you didn't achieve the goal that you wanted to. What are the positives? You're incredibly fit from where you were before. Um, you've had a uh, a really good preparation. You, you, you couldn't, you couldn't possibly have done any more um, that, than than what, what was planned. And you're in a great, great shape to actually back up. You know, possibly in four weeks' time if you wanted to. Um, so you're in a great position. It's just that you've had a disappointment, um, and you know you've got to take that on the chin, move on, and pick yourself up. The measure of the person is how well they deal with um, adversity, not how well they deal with triumph. One thing I want to uh, mention on Joe's story was uh, one of your big uh, philosophies is that you want to help people become a really well-rounded athlete. Um, and a lot of masters athletes tend to specialize in one area and they stay in that. And it's a big thing among the age group are to do more of what you're good at and avoid what you're not so good at because um, it just it's just easier and, and more comfortable. And you really push our athletes to become more well-rounded and, and a, a, a stage tour where there's a road race with a hill climb finish, a time trial, and then a full-on mountain stage is the epitome of being a well-rounded rider. And I think if you can win that, it shows how far you've come because it's no easy feat to win four nationals, you know, masters time trial um, races. You have to be a really, really good time trialist. Um, but to be able to do that and win a multi-stage race, um, I think is very impressive and, and shows um, the type of training you can do to become a well-rounded athlete. Before we get to what's caught my attention, one thing we did both want to talk about was the uh, recent announcement by Kona um, to split the world championships. If you haven't heard, Ironman have um, not not the recent announcement by Kona, the recent announcement by Ironman. Uh, they've come out with a statement and said that um, from now on, the world championships, which is a coveted event, a historical event, a prestigious event that is held at Kona every year and the, the reason it's so prestigious is that Kona has this absolute magic to it and it's been held at Kona since 1981. Um, everyone wants to go to the Mecca of triathlon and do the Ironman at Kona and Ironman have come out and said that from next year onwards, they're splitting it. So, next year, the women's races, elite and age groupers will be at Kona and the men's races will be somewhere else and they haven't disclosed where that is yet um, and, then, and then from then on, it will alternate. So, in 2024, the year after, all the pro men and the age group men will compete at Kona and the women will compete at 
um, the yeah, same just undisclosed of it, uh, place that they um, they are thinking. So at the moment they're thinking Nice um, in France. That's kind of the big talk around. So next year it's basically all the women are competing at Kona and all the men at Nice, and the year after it's um, all the men at Kona and all the women at Nice. And this uh, has caused a lot of divide along among the triathlon community. I have my own opinion um, that I think they. I think it's a fair decision. I understand their logic. Um, it does take away from the specialty of the event and it's really frustrating for those people who have qualified for Kona next year that were expecting to go and now their world championship is at Nice. Um, but I do understand um, what they're saying in their statement. So, I don't know what your thoughts are, Dad. Yeah, I, I can also see that there might be some um, economical reasons. Uh, the island couldn't cope with uh, for those who don't know, this year for the very first time, they split the race into two days. It's normally on one day. And the logistics for that for the island, the big island of Hawaii, uh, Kailua, um, is a really small village. And and it's a massive influx of humans onto onto this, you know, this mecca um, for where this race has been held. And, you know, I've been there and done that race, and and it holds a really um, big place in my my uh, memories of of achievements, and and it's really disappointing from an athlete's from from a competitor's point of view, especially if you've you've been training so hard and qualified for next year's Kona, and you find out that you're actually not going to Kona next year. Um, and for some people, that's that's been a dream for ten years. You know, we we had some athletes this year who went who you know Andrew. Fox has been trying to qualify for decades and and now he got to go and he got to do it this year. Um, but for those who have qualified and don't get to go there next year, I can really feel for them and, and the disappointment um, associated with that because you, you just want to go to that big island because of the mystique and the and the lava fields and the and the heat and the intensity and the wind and the extreme conditions you're going to experience um, make it the hardest race that you'll do. And um, and that's kind of disappointing that that's taken away and they must have their reasons. Um, but from my point of view, I think they need to go back to having it on the one day um, if that's the reason. I don't know the exact reason why they're moving it. They've but come they're out talking said, about the, the – Yeah, they've come the out and said – can't cope. Yeah, yeah. The biggest reason is that they, they have decided that they want to split the men's and women's races because when it happens on the same day, they just find that the men's coverage overrides the women. Um and it's just not possible for them to get equal coverage on the same day. So they decide to split it. And then, like you said, that that's too much for the island. They can't split it over two days. It was too much for set up, then race, then set up and race again. Um, yeah, the island just couldn't cope. And then they've, they've come out and just said, we value um, having equal coverage over having it at all on one day at Kona each year. Um, we looked at all sorts of solutions, um, couldn't come to an agreement. Um, and so that's our decision. Um, so... Yeah, well, it's very disappointing. I, that does make sense to me because they've, they've said exactly what they value, um, what they're aiming for, um, and it is unfortunate. But um, it does make when people do go to Kona even more special now because it's only every second year that you can go. So, um, that does add a lot to it as well. There is. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's uh, everybody's going to have their own opinions on it and uh, um, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of some, some other group um, who like to run races. Um, and if, uh, you know, one of the things we haven't talked about is the pros not really getting decent prize money for that event um, in 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 comparison to other sports. Um, the elite world champion triathlete is just pales into significance against 
you know, what you can win for, for uh, you know, winning the Australian Open tennis or the US Open golf or, you know, the Grand Prix at uh, Silverstone. You know, it's just it's just ridiculous difference in in prize money. Um, I'd love to see a competitive rival race organizer put on a race to to give some real prize money. You know, a million dollars for for the for, for the winner at of the World Championship Ironman. Yeah. That's something it's, I'd like to see. Yeah, um, and it's definitely happening with PTO. All their races are so well-funded and the athletes are loving going there because there's prize money, big prize money and prize money so far down. And so, Ironman do have a challenger in that, but they do have that um, ownership of the Kona race, which is, is the most prestigious race. So, it's definitely interesting. Um, one last thing I want to mention before we talk about the holiday tips is uh, very quickly, um, this is just astounding and something to keep an eye on. Um, a young Kenyan uh, just did his marathon debut and ran a ridiculous time, the first time running a marathon race of 201.53, which is just off Kipchoge, the greatest marathon runner of all time off his world record. So, for a debut marathon, that is pretty scary time. Um, and, of course, everyone has asked Kipchoge his thoughts on it and he welcomed the challenge. He said, I'm so excited someone else can run 201, <laughs> which is a very good response, I thought. Uh, but, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that one because that could be interesting for years to come if you can already run that and shows how close that athletes are starting to get to breaking two hours in a legal race. Yeah, and uh, don't forget, George, the, the shoes are making such a difference to the times. Um and and it seems unbelievable, and I hate that word. Um, it's real. That's what they ran. It's not unbelievable. It's it's what they're able and capable of doing. And and I reckon there's a few minutes in the shoes, without doubt. And and so you know, a two o seven runner can now be potentially a two o four runner, and a two o four runner can be a two o one runner. Um, so you know, I, I think it's great, and and it has you know what we wouldn't want to go backwards and say you can't you can't wear or you can't ride a time trial bike that's it's got disc wheel. It's, yeah, exactly. It's just yeah. you've got to go with the times. And, yeah. That's exciting. And the running see, shoes. Yeah, yeah oh, I think it's great. I'm, I can't wait to see the two-hour broken. It will be broken. It yeah. might not be in our lifetime, but um, someone will run faster. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm thinking it's it's sooner rather than later. Um, and on that note, uh, I did forget to mention that the Australian marathon record, both in the men's and women's, was just broken. So, Brett Robinson and Sinead Diver just broke the um, – Men's and women's Australian marathon record in Japan, which is incredible in their own right. And um, I think that's definitely worth mentioning because um, both records had been held for a while. And I think Dick Estella's men's record had been held for 36 years or something, um, which is insane for that to be finally be broken. Like you said, it's um, a testament to everything happening, but a big testament to Brett to be able to pull that off and, and get that record. I think he only beat it by 20 seconds. So. Yeah, very impressive. So, finishing off with today's uh, topic, and that is the top seven holiday training tips. Now, it is very interesting to think about um, throughout this holiday period, depending on where you are in the world, you'll have a different experience. So, the Southern Hemisphere, um, it's often associated with um, really a big holiday period, especially in Australia. A lot of people take one week or two weeks completely off work. They're down by the beach. Um, it's a, more of a relaxing holiday. In the Northern Hemisphere, it's winter. Um, people might work through more. People might still have that some time off, but you're in a different, a completely different environment because you're in a some nice summer environment where it's good to train. You might be training indoors all the time because it's um, in full winter mode. So um, these tips will apply slightly differently to you depending on what hemisphere you're in. But the first one is for this period. Um, it is called the holiday period for a reason, and tip number one is prioritize enjoyment. Yeah, good good one to start with, George. Um, you know, you've been hard at it all year 
and you've had structure and you've been drilled with the structure and and you really are paying attention to your to your planning and your and your uh, preparation you know it sometimes we talked about having a, a deliberate break um, in your season and sometimes this is the right time to do it um, for those in the southern hemisphere this is probably not the right time to have a deliberate break because it's right bang in the middle of of our uh, cycling and triathlon yeah. and running season. Um, so I would be, you know, saying that you would need to do this holiday period as a as an enjoyment thing, which is what you're suggesting. Whereas in the in the northern hemisphere, when it's smack bang in the f- most coldest uh, period of uh, of your winter, it's a really good opportunity to ease up on the structure and the and the uh, the dedicated way you're going about things and and have a bit of a relaxing time and and that is really important mentally to make sure that you you freshen up your mind and and uh, I'm not saying stop training I'm just saying fix your fix your mindset that's you know if if you're wanting to do something slightly different um, then you, you this is your opportunity um, but there are a few rules around that 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 you need to keep in mind and 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 you can still do that and have the enjoyment factor. That's one of the points we're trying to get across. Yeah, definitely. And that does bring us into point two and that is no matter what situation you're in, what um, climate you're in, um, what hemisphere you're in, uh, the principle should always be, and this is point number two, keep your fitness. Uh, don't do anything that's going to undo all the hard work you've done or put you backwards and just make it harder for when you come back to it. So if there's a two-week period, you don't want to come back into that and have to spend another two weeks or three weeks getting your fitness back because you've completely gone off the rails. So bearing in mind that no matter what you're doing, you always um, want to keep training to a level where you're maintaining your fitness. And and that can be easily done as long as you are smart about it um, and keep training even if it's not structured, even if it's not super hard. You can maintain that level of fitness, but Dad, you get frustrated when people really want to break, but they make the mistake of completely going off, um, which ends up just putting them further back and making it harder to come back from. Yeah, and look, you you said the right thing there. Maintain. Um, you, you're not sometimes if if you're wanting to have that little break, it's better to just maintain something. And um, detraining takes a long time. We've talked about that in other podcasts. So, so if you just do something each day that's that's unstructured, this is going to help you maintain. And don't stress too much about improvement. You know, improvements for the rest of the year. Um, if your if your goal at this time is to have an easier period of two weeks or one week or three weeks, so we're talking about those people who are thinking along those lines. We're not talking about the people who are doing the opposite. We're talking about, and this particular point number two is those people who are thinking about taking it a, a bit easier. And our and our message is that's great, but but don't do nothing. You you need to keep some form of activity going each day. And that will keep you maintaining the fitness that you've worked so hard to get during the year. Point number three, and you just you put a keyword in there before and you said there is a way to go about it. Um, there is a structure to stick to to um, be able to do this properly. Um, and it's not the same structure that you would stick to throughout the year, but it's it's what we refer to as the holiday structure. And you just said, athletes, if you want to go off a structured program um, where the coach is setting you, you know, a quite advanced um, structure throughout the week, Instead, go on the holiday structure and explain to us the simple principle of the holiday structure. Yep, and the whole purpose with the holiday structure is to to do something different, and and I'm encouraging that. And so instead of instead of trying to do 
exactly what you've been doing all year. Just think about every alternate day, I want to do something different than I did the day before. So, so rather than doing, say you've got, I don't know, I'll just make an example. You've got 12 days off and you decide, I want to really improve my fitness. I don't want to go the, the tack of easing up. I want to improve. And, and I just think, I'll just go hard every day. This is the very first time Jared's not really going to worry about my program. Um, I'll just go for it every day. And, and in the end, that'll work for probably three or four days and, until you actually get tighter and tighter. Um, so what the structure we're recommending is that you alternate between hard days and easy days. And an example would be, I've got people going to the Tour Down Under, which is back on post-COVID. And it's been, you know, missing for three years. And it's a big event for a lot of Australian guys who, and, and girls who go away in groups. And they might have a group of five or 10 or 20 people and they go and stay in Adelaide. It's an unbelievably great tour, the Tour Down Under, to watch the pros. And the the actual tour starts from Adelaide every day. So the pros don't move. They stay in the one hotel for the whole seven days. And in you know each day the tour goes in one direction out of Adelaide, north, south, east, west. Um, and so it's really easy to get to. You don't have to move accommodation. So it's one of those great ones to go and watch. But people just get carried away with the first day they might ride 150 as their group's doing 150. The second day they've got 120. The third day they've got another 150. The fourth day the plan is and they're just making these ridiculous expectations of – of riding way too far and and the temperature normally is somewhere between 35 and 45 degrees on any given day and you're in your you're in your lycra from 9am till 6pm all day riding these you know to get to the stages and then to ride back to your accommodation so so you've got this ridiculous strategy of of the group wanting to ride each day and there's always egos in these groups so what happens someone rides hard and everybody chases and all of a sudden that easy ride that they talked about becomes flat out day after day so our strategy is to say okay day one let's just ride with the group and do what they want to when they ride hard go hard with them that's your hard day day two when the group starts to to do exactly the same thing find out where they're finishing and you meet them there you start with them, let them go when they when they take off. You've had your socializing the day before. Today is about you recovering and still getting a hundred k in your legs, but doing it all in zone one and two. And then you'll still see them at the at the bike race when the pros come. You still get the socializing, and then day three, then they're doing exactly the same thing as they did day one and two. You join in again and have some fun with some some hard efforts, and you watch how much you are better than the other guys in that group because they are day three exhausted and you've only had one hard day and one easy day and then day four you go back to your zone one zone two and by that time some people will join you because they're exhausted oh yeah i can't keep up with this so i'll i'll do what you're doing and then day five you're ready to go again and all of a sudden you're the lone ranger out the front uh, compared to day one when you know you were mid packet at best and that's a way to just alternate hard and easy days you still get the fun factor with the group um, you still get to, to race and get your testosterone um, um, feelings of, of uh, self-belief and, and all the things that are associated with riding well, um, but you still don't come out of that six or seven days in a hole where you can't even train for the next two weeks, which has happened so many times with people who have not followed that 
semi-structure that we talk about um, and can't train because they're that exhausted. You know, riding five or 600 Ks for six days straight in 35 degrees temperature, hard every day, what do you expect is going to happen? You're going to be quite tired and it could take some weeks for you to recover from that. So, so this is a really important point to, you know, you can still do some uh, fun things with groups, but as long as you just just tinker with it a little bit, you'll get a better outcome. And with that point uh, comes point four, and that is uh, with the holiday structure, it is a good chance to get some cross-training in, to get some type of training in that you might not get to throughout the year. And that can come in the form of, uh, if it's your off-season, you might be introducing some strength and conditioning. And we know that that's a great time to introduce it while your load is lower and get your body used to it. So then when you get back into hard training into the on-season, you know, your body is actually used to strength and conditioning. It is hard to introduce that when you're in the middle of your racing season, it is possible, but just a little bit more difficult. But regardless, there might be so many other opportunities that you have. Um, if you're taking some time off, you might be um, away and going on long walks or long hikes or playing any other sport. You might be near the beach and you've got a chance to swim more than you than you usually do. And so um, if you're at home a little bit more, then you've got a chance to do some home workouts, some home core stuff, some home flexibility or mobility work. So just a good chance to get some cross training in while this uh, structure is a little bit more relaxed. Yep, I couldn't agree more. And if you're just a pure cyclist who's been riding the road for, you know, for eight months, this is a great opportunity to grab your gravel bike or grab your mountain bike and and just have some fun and don't have any structure. Just go for some easy rides and go with the family. Um, just do, do something that's just easy. Um, but it's not the same bike that you're, that you're riding. If you're a triathlete, same thing. Go for walks, you know. Forget about doing – the long runs and and the high intensity runs and you know the structure that you're used to the swim sessions with intervals you know when you're at the beach just go for roll your arms over and catch some waves you know just go for long walks on the beach um go for an easy coffee ride on the bike on the you know on the the commuter bike but just don't do anything that's that's similar to what you're doing during the year if that's what your goal is but if your goal is to actually improve your fitness, then we're not talking about doing cross-training. We're talking about you know doing longer versions of the sessions you've got by adding time to your warm-up and your cool-down. So we're talking about two entirely different things here. And, and you've got to understand exactly what we're, we're getting at here. Yeah, definitely clarify. We're not, this point isn't do more cross training. That's absolutely not what we're saying. We're just saying that um, it is a good opportunity to, we know the benefits of something like strength and conditioning. That's probably the number one priority. If it is your off season and you've got this period, it's a great time to now introduce that. This is your best chance of the year to introduce that. But if you've got a chance to do some other stuff, then we're giving you the green light and saying, this is a good time that you can take advantage of that and, and um, get the most out of your easy days. And the fact that your week isn't so packed with work and training that you're completely filled up. Now, one thing I know is a pet peeve of yours, Dad, and this is our point number um, five, and that is um, don't wait until January 1st to make any changes. Um, some people might have a really hectic December leading into Christmas. Training's gone by the wayside and they say stuff it. There's only another seven days or 10 days until the start of the year. I'll just wait till the new year and I'll start then. I'll, I'll get it right then. And a lot of people even think about starting a new program and they just, for some reason, they just refuse to do it between December 15th and, and 25th and they say, I'll, I'll do it in the new year. And our, our philosophy is, is start now. You're just going to, you're going to put yourself 7, 10, 15 days ahead of where you would be and that'll, that'll help so much down the track. Every day you wake up is an opportunity to improve yourself. Why delay that? that that's what my mindset is. 
when I wake up today, how much better can I be than yesterday? And I don't mean by writing hard every day. That's not what I'm saying. I mean get up and do what I'm supposed to do and not delay it till next week. And, you know, if someone's sick Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I've heard, heard this so many times, I'll just start on Monday of next week. Well, if you're okay to start today, start today. It's an opportunity for you to get going. And, you know, the January 1st thing drives me insane. It's, it's, it's just a delaying uh, tactic for you not really having the right mindset. So if you're in the right headspace, you should be wanting to wake up tomorrow and saying, what can I do better tomorrow than I did today? Can I recover better tomorrow if it's a recovery day? You know, can I get more hydration into me? Can I have more restful periods during the day? If tomorrow is a high intensity day, I want to wake up and be ready for it. And I don't want to wait till Monday to do that, even though it's Friday or, or it's Saturday. Let's just not have the delaying tactic. That, that's not what this is about. This is a period where you've got an opportunity to actually get ahead. And the old analogy of, you know, coming to, to, you know, for those who have been involved in team sports where you've got pre-season training, where the group gets together before the season actually starts. So, the idea of pre-season training is to prepare you so that when training starts proper for the, for the season, that your body can cope with the proper training. So, use this as exactly the same method. Here's an opportunity where I'm not in structure, but I can work you know, slowly or easily away at and improving some of the things that I'm weak at, um, such as strength training or, or, you know, just getting my body moving so that when, when I start the proper structure, I'm actually at a 5% better level than I was if I did nothing. And that's the way you should be thinking about it. And that brings us to point six, and that is that you may have these goals over this holiday period and you may want to get the best out of yourself and have the best intentions, but you um, lack some, sometimes you just lack the logistics, you know, and, and equipment availability is a big one that uh, we are faced with when you do go away in, outside of your actual normal environment, you can't take your bike with you. Um, what do you do when there's a lack of equipment and how do you get around that? And your answer is there is always a way around it. Yeah, you've just got to be inventive, don't you? And um, understand you could be doing a European trip that you're moving from place to place every fourth day. You don't have your bike. You want to train. It's cold and it's snowing. You know, if you're in the middle of a middle uh, of a December European winter, and you know there will be somewhere a swimming pool that's open if you're if you're a a rider, runner, or a swimmer, or just a guy or a girl who wants to get fit. So you can go for a swim. There will be a gym somewhere around where you are. And, you know, and it might not be that a gym for two or three days because you're out in the country somewhere, but eventually you'll go back to a, a town or, a, or a, you know, an inner suburban place that has facilities for gym equipment. And it may have a stationary bike. I remember going to Thailand and, and going to the hotel gym we had and it was literally four meters by one meter wide and and it had one stationary bike and one treadmill and that was it and so great i was thinking i'll just jump on this in my week off i had no bike Uh, it was boiling hot outside it was 38 degrees um in thailand and uh jumped on the on the stationary bike and it was a shocker and and I still managed to try and ride some some efforts where I was doing right. I'll just I'll just do thirty seconds hard and just ride the thing hard. I had no pedals or shoes that were tied to the bike. The thing wouldn't the bike seat wouldn't go up or down, so I was in the wrong position. Everything was wrong about it. But I just I just spent twenty minutes doing thirty on, thirty off. And 
and I got a sweat up and I was huffing and puffing and and then there was this little treadmill beside it and you know I thought oh, I'll just just jump on that next and and uh, you know started on that and all of a sudden it started going quicker and quicker and quicker and before long I I couldn't turn it down I couldn't turn it up it just it just was going flat out and I had to jump off it to the side and I nearly got spat out the back but but the, you know the thing went broken on me and I got the guy up and he said oh no it doesn't work anymore and so that's the treadmill done and the next day I jump on the on the same bike and that wouldn't function anymore I don't know what happened from the day before I broke that as well so here I am day two with no equipment now so you know what's the next best thing I'm trying to jump in the water and I'm going to do some swimming and I'm going to go for walks so you've you've got to make the best of the situation and and there will always be opportunity for you to do something. You've got you've got a pair of shoes on. You can if you're in the mountains, you can go walking in the mountains and get some altitude walking in. You know, if you're if you're skiing somewhere, you know, do some cross country skiing as well as your as your downhill skiing. You know, there's there's always going to be something. You just got to be inventive. And and the more you think about, you know, you can run anywhere in the world. Um, and if you're not a runner and you're just a cyclist, just walk. Just go for walks and, and you can see a lot more of the local area if you're traveling um, than you'll ever do um, if you're just sitting around on the beach and stuff. So, you know, some of the best experiences I've had when I've jumped on my, my bike and ridden, you know, 20 or 30K around the district and seen some really great highlights and seen things I wouldn't have if I was if I was just sitting around at the beach. So, so you know, be inventive with uh, with the situation you find yourself in, and and sometimes if you plan ahead and and ring the hotel and ask them what they've got. If you're staying at a hotel, if you're at a caravan park, you know, are oh, there some walking trails? Just do some preparation if you don't have internet when you get there. Um, there's always going to be obstacles. It's just the person who's more motivated can find an outcome. That's that's my message. Absolutely, and I guess the final point we want to finish on, and you, you touched on this earlier, but. Just because you might have more time, just because it might be a more relaxing period, um, you might be spending time at home, that doesn't mean that uh, and you're not working, that doesn't mean that it's time to train yourself into the ground. And you gave all those examples before about what could happen um, and we just want to make that point, this point that the same way that um, having a big break and losing your fitness that way is detrimental to you, training yourself into the ground just because you've got more time is just as detrimental. Yep, and you know, the only thing I didn't say was you are allowed to ride or run or swim with more volume. And and if you've got more time, that seems the logical thing to do. As long as you you keep the intensity, as we talked about with the previous examples, alternating the intensity, hard and easy days. And during those hard days, it doesn't mean you do the whole thing longer, harder. You keep your mindset if that's what you're doing. You keep that the same and you just extend the warm-up and the cool-down. And the warm-up and the cool-down, you should be able to chat away to the guy riding beside you. You should be able to talk the whole time and that's your measurement of your effort. Um, so it is important that you know you can and understand it's okay to do extra but but not extra hard. Um, you, you, know, you need to understand that that will still cause problems down the track just like it does mid-year when you're, when you're in a structured program. Um, it's not the green light to just go long and hard day after day because that that will end up in disaster um, some point in the next short-term week or three weeks down the track. It will come back and bite you, believe me. I guess I'd like to finish and say that you can you can increase your load, but the, the training principles of progression still apply. You can only increase it a certain amount that's safe and that's uh, risk-free and that your body can handle. You know, just because you're in a holiday period doesn't mean that you can double your training load, like you're saying, 
and expect to stay injury-free or expect to stay not sick or expect to put yourself into a hole in the ground. So that's it from us. Um, We've got one more episode left for the year, but we wanted to get this holiday episode in uh, just so that anyone that was getting busy throughout this December period could take these tips on and get the most out of yourself uh, over this period into the new year. Uh, But one more episode left for the year, then we'll have our Christmas and holiday break and into 2023, which is a pretty exciting time. But that's it for this episode. Thanks very much as always for listening and we'll see you next week. 